What's up, guys? Welcome back. The first card of the discard pair in Corvus Glaive comes out on Tuesday. And is he going to add fuel to the discard and ramp archetype? What are his best synergies, combos, and is he going to be worth buying? Alex and I are going to break him down. We're also going to be talking about cards that deserve to be great in Marvel Snap, from Captain America to Adam Warlock. We have a lot of great cards that are iconic, and they kind of suck in Snap. So we're going to break down those cards. And then lastly, guys, we're going to talk about the power of love event. What do we like? What do we hate? What would we like to see in the future in regards to the imbalance, balance patches in Marvel Snap? We're going to talk about that all today and more on this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Alex Kocha on this fine Monday morning. Buddy, how you doing? Another great week in Snap. We had the power of love. Did you did you feel the power of love over there? Did you do Valentine's Day celebrations uh, as, a, as a husband of 20? Husband My Valentine's celebrations, I mean, listen, I got to tell you, husband of 20, actually, oh, I think it has been like 20 years since I've been with my wife. I mean, we started dating in like grade 11, I think it was, grade 11. Oh, high we school got married. School. I'm 38 now. That would have been 2000. Two, we started dating 2003. So, yeah, oh my gosh, has it been that long? We've been oh actually together for over 20 years. So, to answer your question, no, I played Marvel Snap, I streamed it, I made a video, and then by the time I got to bed, she was already sleeping, woke up the next day, and that was that. There you go. I love you, but I did get 48 cubes. So, you know, you guys can both be happy. <laughs> Father of 20, you know, husband of 20, that I, I don't know. But anyway, we had the power of love events, our first imbalance balance patch that seemed to take over the OTA. Me and you definitely have thoughts to talk about that later. But other than that, how's the snapping been? I mean, it, you know, we have we had no OTA, so kind of more or less more of the same, but in somewhat of a a healthy meta that has doses of you know more archetypes than others. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to derail us like right off the top, but I, I got to say this: I've been having uh, a lot of fun playing Pokemon with my daughter. I'm trying to get my daughter into playing card games, and like, cause I think it's pretty cool. She's in grade two, get her reading, strategizing. It's like it's a shared interest, right? We've been collecting cards, ripping packs, but most important, I've been teaching her how to play competitively, and been like taking her to some shops around nearby to like, hey, check out like kind of the youth tournament scenes and stuff like oh, that. Nice, dude. And uh, I got to tell you, it's been so much fun sharing my card, my love for card games with my daughter, and uh, it's it's been great. I recommend it, honestly. Like, it's been something that we've been able to do together and have a lot of fun just experimenting, ripping packs, playing strategy. And hey, let's just say Daddy misplays quite a bit and she has a winning record against me. I've seen they have those, like, my first like card game, Pokemon card game set or whatever. I tried to give that to my son. He just, like, ate the cards. He's too young yet. But okay, this is uh, this is very judgmental territory. Like, more so than zoo animals, more so than Costco trips. Hit me with, like, top two, top three Pokemon to you all the time. Oh, geez, that's so hard. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've always loved uh, Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff's near the top, if not the top. I've always been a sucker for uh, Bulbasaur. Um, you I think his you voice would, is really funny. You you would be a Bulbasaur guy. I can, I, you strike me as a Bulbasaur. Like, I can, I can smell it. Yeah, and when I actually play, like, the game, I, I've always been a huge fan of Gengar. I don't know what it is. Oh, I really like Gengar. Oh. I think he's so bad. And then I think I have Legends of Arcarius, I think it's called, the one where, like, you kind of took a free-roaming one. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. got this, like, gargantuan Gengar. He's, like, huge, huge, oh. huge. He's one of my favorite Pokemans he, I've ever gotten. Pretty much, I, like, without question, it's just Gen 1 for me. Like, hey, if I'm going to say, like, so Squirtle's top of the top. Gotta love Squirtle. Blastoise is right there with him because of the same. Gengar's a good choice. Good choice. I, Alakazam slaps i like i like a little alakazam what about like what about like a legendary oh legendary i mean it's hard like i've never been a mew or mewtwo guy like i've just never been okay. zapdos is a legendary right yeah oh yeah yeah zapdos zapdos yeah slaps. so i've always been a fan of like zapdos but i don't think i've ever actually caught zapdos in the games I do, there's pokemon i like that just sucked too like scyther was my guy but in the first one he just sucked he just looked cool he just he, he did but he hit like a paperweight he didn't do much man but but dude, man, i mean 
I would say most, I always ask people when I meet them, like, what is your most influential game of all time? Not maybe your favorite, but something that meant a lot to you growing up and shaped the way you are as a gamer. Pokemon Red and Blue, man. That was like core piece of me in my childhood. I remember being a kid and like my sister bought our first family computer. She's 12 years older than me. She was in university. I was like in like fourth grade or something. And I remember she brought home this brand new PC. It was terrible by today's standards, but I remember installing, I think it was Pokemon Red via emulator. It was like the first like kind of software thing I had done on a computer before because I needed to play this this Pokemon game all my friends were talking about. And I remember playing the, uh, the emulator and I remember it was red and blue, right? You had to pick yeah, either... Yeah. Charmander or Squirtle. And then they came out with yellow eventually, which allowed you to pick between all three. And would you, were you ever able to put, pick uh, Bulbasaur? I don't think so. What kind of Canadian versions were you playing? Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Red and blue, you could pick all three starters. But then yellow, you had Pikachu. And then you could get all three starters. Bulbasaur was always on the equation, but people just chose not to pick him because he sucks. Are you sure? I was under the assumption that if you had red, you could not pick Squirtle. And if you had blue, you couldn't pick Charmander. Maybe Bulbasaur was always selectable, but those two were exclusive because you had to get the cable in trade. Don't your, you remember? Your boomer's showing. No, I no. listen, I would delete the channel. On the comment section, I would delete the channel if you couldn't get Bulbasaur in red and blue. I'm sure of it. I'm, I'm sure of it. It's There's exclusive Pokemon. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But Bulbasaur is always in the equation. People just didn't pick them. Okay, we're talking like 25 years ago now. Actually, way longer than that. So maybe maybe yeah. my memory's a little rusty here. I can barely remember what I got for breakfast 25 minutes ago. So you're, you're definitely, yeah, you're, you're good there. Well, you know what? Okay, you said not to derail us, and here we are on a new Pokemon podcast, everybody. Let us know favorite starter, and if it is Bulbasaur, I'm sorry. It's probably Charmander. You, you, you try hard. I get it. Squirtle's the best. Alex. What are we talking about on your side of the Snapchat, though, bud? Cozy, we're going to be ranking Call Obsidian. We've had a week to play with Call Obsidian. We're giving our final impressions and rankings. Also, we're talking about the cards on the rise. You mentioned before that the meta is in a pretty interesting spot, but that doesn't mean there aren't some meteoric risers flashing through the meta. Then we'll be doing, as always, our Snapchat mailbag. Well, buddy, we got ourselves. The discard weeks have begun. We have the two back-to-back -back discard options, which, what, it's been since truly... Is it Silver Samurai? Has it been that long since we've gotten a discard, a new discard? I feel like we're missing one. I, I don't remember now. I, f I think we are missing someone too. Samurai was relatively recent. Oh man, someone's going to call us out on it. We are definitely missing a more recent one. They're all, oh, Meek. It was Meek was the last oh, one. But, Meek, yeah, was, but it's not a discard enabler. It's like. Yeah, so it's been a minute since we've had anything spice up. If anything, we had things spiced down with American Chavez. So definitely exciting to see a couple of weeks dedicated towards an archetype that we definitely want to go ahead and spice up. And, and that's going to really be a huge subject around today's topics. We're going to be talking about discard, but also ramp and in general Corvus. Now, before we talk about Corvus, let's go ahead and quickly talk about the spotlights. And, and we'll, we'll start there as always. Uh, I know we've done spotlight videos, for, uh, both of us, but let's go to break down. X23 is going to be on the spotlight week this week, as well as your guy, your man, the gladiator and a really good variant at that. Bro, I don't know about you, but this is this is a good this. If you don't have a card this way, I get it. If you don't like this card, but Corvus is not a bad constellation prize. Constellation, it, it, it's not a bad price. And then you get Gladiator X twenty three. This is a phenomenal spotlight week, yeah. This is great. I love this week for one reason and one reason only. You were really high on X twenty three at launch, and like some people kind of disagree with you. I even disagree with you. And then now you've been proven to be correct over 
you know, over time. Gladiator. And Gladiator. I was so high on Gladiator. He needed a buff to get there, though. But I was high on Gladiator. Now everyone's playing Gladiator. And my boy is in the spotlight caches. And people are actually excited to get him. I was getting questions. How to replace Gladiator in this deck? I was tearing up. I was so happy, Cozy. I was like, yes, Gladiator's back finally. People saw what I saw all along. The week of the Snapchat right here, guys. That means you're going to get good luck if you're listening to this episode. You're going to get your pulls, guys. But yes, definitely a very fire week, though, of cards. Just where you really can't miss outside of the, the token pool. The variants are, are, are really strong too. If, if you play these cards, Gladiator for one doesn't have like a ton of great ones or really any. He, he's, he's, he's missing a ton of them. So this is a good week to get uh, a new Gladiator variant if you're playing that a lot. And then of course, we've got Corvus. We've got Corvus. So I don't know about you, but you, you've seen MC, you know, you've seen Infinity War. Yeah, you've seen the, the, the last two in-game Infinity War. So Corvus, just out of the bunch of them, I was always like, what is this Lord of the Rings character doing in this movie? He never, he didn't really like, he stabbed Vision. That was his claim to fame. And that's like all he did that was notable for the entire movie. I think so. Yeah. Massive spoilers, by the way. But that's fine. But yeah. So yeah, Corvus, I thought that was cool. Actually, to be honest with you, the entire, like, like the Thanos goons, I didn't quite realize who they were. In fact, it wasn't until recently that I was watching it again. I was like, wait a minute, that's Ebony Maw. How did I not figure out that was Ebony Maw? And then like, actually, Ebony Maw is super bad. I was killing eh? Maw was, Maw was b by far the strongest one of the bunch, uh, like in the movie. But Black Swan's not in the movie. No. No, no, Black Swan's not, Super Giant's not. Those are more, those were, which is, I think people were shocked that they left some of those off. Like, they, and here's the thing, they leave things off like that, like Adam Warlock, who we'll talk about later, but Adam Warlock was like such a prime circle of the Infinity Gauntlet, and he was left out, you know, so I think they just choose to do that sometimes. Yeah, fair enough. I guess gotta pay actors and stuff, I suppose. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, Corvus Glaive was always kind of an interesting character. I didn't realize quite their affiliation, but obviously I knew them as like the goons of Thanos and like yeah. Cull Obsidian. I think Cull Obsidian had a couple different names. I think in the comic books, he's named one thing. Yeah, else. So I think they, yeah, 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 yeah. They changed the naming around a little bit, but regardless, I think they're really cool characters. And actually Proxima Midnight was amongst my favorite. The choreography around the Proxima Midnight fights was pretty cool. Yeah, dude, I think what stinks is like, because they're like, oh, they're just the goons of Thanos. It's like, they're supposed to be super bad. Like, they're supposed to be like really strong. But when you only have one movie, you can only do so much, right? Like, you can only, maybe two, you can only do so much to like build up a character's BA-ness and have scenes where they win and stuff. Because, you know, the good guys, typically, they have to win. But yeah, and like, Ebony took on some of the, the strongest heroes and, and whatnot. But to not go down Pokemon, then MCU, let's, let's go into Snap here with Corvus. So Corvus, if you don't know, he's a three cost. Buy power card on reveal. Discard two cards from your hand to get plus one max energy. Now, when we looked at these earlier, I was a bit more hot on it. You were a bit more not on it. And in general, let's start there, buddy. What's your star rating? I'm still leaning towards two stars. I'm two. still leaning towards two stars. Yeah, I know. I know I was really low on it and uh, people were kind of roasting me for it, but I even sat down and was like, okay, let me try and figure out some lines, see if it can like, you know, play in different unique ways that maybe I wasn't considering. And I ultimately just ended up falling like, no, man, I, I don't know if this card's that good. Like in straight up discard packages, it might be absolutely fine, but like, oh man, like I tried to go down this route of like, okay, what if it actually is a card that you play in a ramp list with like wave and electro does it serve the same purpose but discarding two cards like that i think would be detrimental because like if you discard an odin and you're holding your doom then that combo gets messed up and if you discard you know doom and you still hold odin, odin what the hell are you doing so like i don't know if it works there and i don't know if it works like i don't ever really know where discard wants the plus one energy so i'd be interested in your thoughts cozy sell me sell me 
you're not far. I mean, here's the, here's the deal. This is a card that we're going to have to play with. Like, no question. Like, we're going to have to test them out, see how the play lines work, because a lot of what I hear is like, oh, discard doesn't need extra energy. And you are correct. In the current builds of discard, we don't. We don't have a card like this. We haven't added him to the equation, right? So that's kind of my first bit there. We have to do a lot of testing there and see if he truly brings not only a new important reason to play him, but also for the ramp archetype. And today we're going to actually break down some of these combos and see, okay, if we got rid of X card, could you still play X card? Because six costs are still six costs. If you get rid of Odin, you still have Doom Blob. Pretty good combo. So it just depends on what those lists look like. And we're going to break those down. My thought is I'm going to give him a three to three and a half this week. Easily his worst week. We say this all the time, guys, but it's his worst week by far because... This is a, and I, I talked about this on my spotlight video. You got to get Midnight. You got to get Proxima Midnight if you're going to get Corvus. They just go together too well. And it, I know it doesn't seem like that much synergy, but it's massive synergy that we want. We, we want another card that wants to be discarded, right? So at this moment, we can kind of start there. Corvus is going to be getting rid of two cards. Now it's going to be a card and a card, not two cards at once. It's going to work very similar to Hellcow, which has kind of wonky mechanics, right? So Hellcow can't get rid of APOC twice. It only gets rid of APOC one time, which is a bummer. I was actually kind of hoping Corvus could fit the mold of getting rid of APOC a couple of times. So that's the biggest knock on him that I have for, th for that engine per se. But in general, when it comes to cards that you want to discard, we're starting to get more of them. Alex, we've talked about this. We're starting to finally get more of these options. But the question remains, are they cards that you want to even put into your deck in the first place, right? So right now at this moment, Helicarrier just got a nice buff up. We can get rid of Helicarrier to large success. We actually really want to get rid of that nowadays. We have X-23. That's, you know, obviously going to be included in this week for a reason. And then you have Wolverine. And what, what's the last one I'm missing here? Oh, Swarm, Proxima, probably. Swarm. And then, yeah, Proxima Midnight. If you add her to the bunch, it's a lot of cards. It's a lot of cards that you are in APOC, obviously. So that's a lot of cards that you are like, hey, I'm all good with getting rid of these. Do those fit into a deck? What do those play lines look like and what can you do around those? That's going to be our core subject of today. So let's go to start with discard, man. What are you playing in discard these days? How do you feel about the archetype without Corvus? So the thing about discard right now is that I think there's discards like a tale of two beasts, right? You have the Black Knight style discard and you have the Apocalypse style discard and they don't really mix that well together. The Black Knight discard is highly targeted. You're only running a few discards, like you're running Blade, you're running Sif and you know, that's pretty much all you really need. You can add some uh, extra periphery cards as well. But you're hitting the Chonky Boys, you're bringing them back down with Ghost Rider. You got a massive Ebony Blade. That's kind of the strategy there. Now, the way I think Corvus uh, Glaive's going to work is going to be on the other side, where it's going to be much more of an Apocalypse-style yeah. discard. And I don't think that they would have changed America Chavez without having Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive coming in the, uh, the pipeline. I feel like the development team would have looked at this and said, okay, we're going to take out Chavez from Dependable Discard. We need to add something back in. So when I look at Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight, I feel like it's the answer and the power replacement for Chavez. But... I'm still not sure if it actually does that. Now, in theory, Glaive will allow you to play Apocalypse early, but Apocalypse being played early does not allow it to kind of ramp up in the way that traditional discard using Chavez would allow Dracula to pop it off. And that's what pins down my star rating. I don't see how it completely replaces Chavez independable discard, but you're right. Proxima Midnight changes a lot. We don't want to talk too much about both of them at once, but you said it perfectly. It's going to be tricky to make him work this first week because Proxima is such an amazing addition to the list that he's yeah. ultimately going to be good in. 
I mean, this week is going to be more focused on ramp, I think, with this card list coming out. And, and probably, oh, like, a lot of people are going to be playing discard. But the ramp focus of that is going to be more because you don't have one of the, the cogs in the machine. But then when we have Proxima, then we can be do more. And obviously, we can save more topics for her next week. However, let's just start here. Okay, let's go and just start with Corvus as a card. Let's get rid of his ability completely outside of discarding two cards. Let's just have that, right? He's a 3-5 premium stat line card that discards two cards in the discard archetype, right? So even if he does just that, you have in a five value on there, which should have that with, you know, we've seen that with Lady Sif for a long time now, okay? You're getting rid of two cards that you don't get a pick. There's the con side. Just that alone, right? You could play that late. You could play that on turn six. If you need to beef up your Morbius, you need to beef up your Dracula and start getting those up a little bit. You could play that when you don't have other things to play. If you have, you know, multiple swarms because you happen to open up with a blade swarm. There's a lot of different actual play lines of just... Having the discard option, that's great. Play that into Wong, whatever you might want to do there to build up what we've known in both Morbius and Dracula and Apoc. Those are the, you know, those are the kings around discarding more cards. We actually really like that. It's a hell cow that you don't really have to worry about getting a Zabu out to play early or play it on four when you want to play something like Dracula and, and take bigger risks. So the plus one at max energy from that point forward, if we just look at the decks we play now, is just a bonus, I think, right? Like, Yes, you are building these builds to play APOC early, but there are plenty of examples where you want to play maybe two threes or you want to play multiple cards at once. An extra one energy can maybe get the blade out there if you were playing, let's say, Dracula on turn five. Whatever it might be, there are plenty of in uh, instances where that might be something you want to do. If you get rid of X-23 or Helicarrier, that even opens up even more so, right? Because you're going to be able to have even more energy. You get plus two energy if you get rid of X-23, which is kind of silly. And not to mention, this can't be countered. Mobius and Mobius can't counter this. Nothing can really counter that. So just getting the max energy as far as discard goes will be nice. And you get the discard kind of engine going uh, alongside it. Also notably, Alex, is if you've played a lot of discard lately, there's not a lot of three cost cards that you play on three besides Lady Sif. Like, it, it's kind of a weirder turn, if you will, No. Yeah, Dokken, I think you can as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's Sif and Dokken. And even Sif, sometimes you hold back because like you're holding Modok. You're like, bro, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you don't want to discard a key component. But it's funny because like some of my early kind of pen and paper designs have had like, okay, what if you do something like, you know, Quinjet early into Collector, Corvus Glaive on yep. turn three, pop off on the, the Hell Carrier or something like that. But I'm like, well, would you really need Corvus Glaive to do that? Because wouldn't you just use Sif? Isn't that better targeted? And I'm like, okay, hold on. Okay. What if we get rid of the Quinjet, try to take advantage of the plus one energy? And I'm trying to work out these lines and it just seems so muddy. And I feel like when you, so many decks, so many of the best decks really rely on consistency. We have these pop-off yep. lists, right? But I think there's an element of consistency that really helps. And when I look at Corvus Glaive, and I know it's not a fair comparison, but I, I look at I look at Swordmaster. Swordmaster is a 3-6. Discards are one card randomly. So it, it's a very premium stat line, but it is never seen play because the random nature of that discard could be detrimental. And while we're saying right now, like we're kind of both agreeing the extra one energy for a discard is not like, it's not as necessary for this archetype as opposed to some others. I, I lean towards it being a trap. Like yeah. you're losing consistency and you're, you're getting the extra energy, but you just like, you're hitting, Oh, I just hit my Modoc and I hit my Sif and now I'm still holding Helicarrier. What the hell do I do now? Yeah. So I totally get that. I think a discard, the cool thing about it is you have a lot of agency uh, of like to do these like crazy play lines, like destroy your playing the play lines. They can see what's happening. Whereas discard, you're kind of like 
looking at your hand and when is it optimal to play. And so in a situation of a deck like that, I actually really like him in, right? Like, let's say it's turn one, you don't do anything, okay? You don't get the pop off. Maybe you get meek down, I don't know, but you don't get the blade swarm, right? So you hold on. Two, you play Morbius. Cool. You have three. You have Corvus and you have Collector. Well, eh, you look at it and you're like, well, that's kind of a risk, right? If I play Corvus now, I could get rid of Collector. I could get rid of... So you play Collector down on two, but then on turn... Or on three, but then on turn four, maybe it lines up. You top deck Swarm. You play Blade to discard the Swarm. Then you play Corvus. You have two Swarms out there and the Apoc and... And then at that point, you're kind of going to your late turns with extra discards for the Morbius and the Collector getting points. And you have a lot of play up. That's where I see the snowball happening. And actually, the consistency is better than we think. You combine that. So I think that list might be okay, right? It's, it's the play lines and the way that we have to do it. But then you combine that with, okay, well, what other options can we, can we throw in there? Is it now time where we look at these lists and we throw in Hella? Whereas it's like, okay, we really want to make sure we hit one of these cards like Apoc, Proxima, Midnight, and Swarm. But if we don't, we can Ghost Rider or Hella something out, you know, because we have that extra energy. We can, you know, if we get rid of, you know, let's say Collector and Morbius, you're like, oh God. But then we get the extra energy. We top deck Hella. We get them all out, three out on the board, and you're, you're all of a sudden feeling pretty good about it, right? Yes, discard lists are tight, but they're not destroyed tight. They, they do have a couple rooms, you know, for, for, for throwing in some extra cards there. And I think maybe that's where Ghost Rider Hella could actually come into play with Corvus. That's fair. I mean, it, it does give a little added flexibility as to when you could play Hella. Like you slide Hella behind an invisible woman early, play down some power, you know, put power where you want it, then allow Hella to do uh, her thing after. It's actually kind of a good point, but like I just, I don't see the reliable line. And like another thing I was kind of thinking about, and I mentioned your thoughts on this, was there was, there's one card in particular in discard that I always find like, I, I know I need to play it and I know I want to play it, but I never want to commit the energy to it at the time. Cause it just feels bad at the time. And I know it's like a nearsightedness, but Dracula, right? Dracula is a four one. You often want to get him out. You have to get him out of uh, four. You don't want to get him out on five. Cause you usually got a Modoc and it kind of switches the, the play style up a little bit. The problem with Dracula is that he doesn't benefit from Corvus Glaive. If you play Glaive on turn three, Dracula on turn four is still just possible. You're not actually ramping the Dracula out early. So I'm like, okay, if you can't get Dracula out early with Corvus Glaive because it's being played on three, that doesn't really benefit there. So I'm trying to think of like, what situations does Discard actually want that one energy? And I guess I end up in like, okay, Dream Dimension, I guess, but. <laughs> because you're not, you're not, you're not building this, the, the list we're talking about right now, we're not building to be a ramp deck, right? We're building to just be more Discard. So like, you're not always playing Corvus on three. Sometimes that's not the play you want to, you want to do. You want to, you know, let's say just play that collector play. And then you're like, okay, then I'll do Dracula on four. And then you're like, okay, we're already in turn five. It's still two discards, right? And then if Dracula's already out and you play Corvus, it's two discards. You get to play another two drop, most likely, if you have that in there. Then you're kind of, you already had this huge APOC you're able to build up. You're able to have the MODOK play if you want to go that route. It's, I actually think he helps Dracula a ton because you can then, you can even play him on turn six then at that point because he's only three. And then you could get two pop-offs on that. And yeah, you only get the the APOC up once, but we definitely don't, you know, hate that option. So I don't I don't think he doesn't add to Dracula. And I think the more cards like Wolverine and X-23 we have, or they're just going to go on the board if they get discarded, you're continuing to thin that deck and continuing to have Dracula have like his one group of focus. So I actually think there is some synergy there. I, told, I get what you mean, and I get how we've been playing discard. I just see us playing it. I played a lot last season. I think you remember me talking about, and the deck that I played was all about Ravona. And it played Morbius, Dracula, and it played Arnim Zola. And it was super fun. And, and so when it comes to ramp, uh, uh, let's talk about ramp uh, on its own in a second and look at discard ramp. 
Arnim Zola is definitely a play, without question. What are some other standalone cards? Hella, like we just said. Onslaught, I think, is super interesting. I think you could work Onslaught into maybe this list with something like Morbius. There's these single-handed cards that might not be bad on six. There's, is there anything that comes to mind for you that you might actually... Oh, yeah, want? Dr. Doom, Magneto. One of the decks I was trying to come up with is, okay, what is like a new style of Hella deck that actually plays Hella as a backup, but really is a ramp list that allows you to play down massive cards? And then you could even, like, can you do something like a Ghost Rider Odin, or you just use Hella? I was trying to, like, figure out the lines with Corvus, but the problem with Corvus is you really don't know what he's discarding. With MODOK, it's like, he's discarding everything, right? Yeah. So it's like, you kind of know what's up, you know what you're getting. And I was like, okay, how do you build those types of decks, right? Do you build them with, like, X-23 as, like, a, an available target to ramp out even further? Because actually hitting X-23 is crazy, crazy. with Corvus Glaive. It's crazy. Because that, that allows you to play a turn uh, a six power card on turn four. That's actually insane. Like, that's one of the lines I'm like, whoa, whoa on turn four, I can actually play Doctor Doom, yeah. right? Crazy, crazy. But your hand has to be set up that perfectly, right? And so th there's definitely potential, but like you set up before, we got to test this card. Let's talk about ramp then, right? So like discard, and, and I'll just say this, Arnim Zola, Dracula, if you haven't done it, super spicy. If that can work into this, I'm going to be doing that because you're with Corvus, you're thinning your deck. Then you could do the Arnim Zola on the Drac. Yeah, you'll have to have some top deck and some luck, but then if you have Hella, who knows? Let's talk ramp though. Right now we've got Electro, Wave, and Psylocke, right? Those are our options to an X-23, but you know what I mean. These are the, the staple ramp cards. I think this is where a lot of the more top-end players and or just the general public is like, will Corvus just be a better option here? And you led to your worries when we started the Snapchat is that will it get rid of these combos that you end up wanting to do? Where I'm on the end of, we have so many great independent cards now. I think you could build your deck around it and not care as much. That's fair. Like, does Blob actually care? Like, if everything else got discarded, does Magneto actually care if everything got discarded, right? I mean, really, the only ones that really care would be like a Doom Odin combo, which has been a staple of like a ramp into Sandman Doom Odin, because you can attack multiple locations they can. Does, I mean, even something like a Vision, does Vision care, right? No, probably not. So, the, and that's where I land. I think, like, let's take Doom Odin, okay? So you play Corvus on three. You could set this up a couple of voice on turns one and two. You can go ahead and, and you can have the X-23, right? You can have the safe cards, approximate midnight, if you want to go that route. And we can go that route whenever we can. But as of this week, or you could play like Snowguard, Mirage, other card generation cards that like kind of keep filling your hand up. I was kind of thinking of that, like, okay, like maybe add to the madness a little bit. It's okay if we fill up our hand with some of these cards that could be other targets leading up to Corvus. But let's just say we play Corvus on three. All right, that means four, we could play a five cost and then we can move on to two, a couple sixes. The way I look at it is, if we get rid of Odin, okay, Dr. Doom, Arn, and Zola is actually even a better combo at that most of the time. You fill out the board completely with that combo. If we get rid of Arn and Zola, then you do the Odin combo. There are going to be times when you get rid of Odin and Doom, right? And it's like, oh, what do I do? Well, you've got Blob and Taskmaster. You have Eliath and Odin. Like, there are, I feel like there's enough combinations now in the general ramp list that there, we, there's enough out there to just ramp out, and you're getting five stats on the Corvus, and you can play multiple cards if you can and need to at that point. It's fair. I just, I'm just concerned because like in that type of list, you're not running, like you might run X-23, but you're not, not running Swarm. You're not running like a lot of those other cards we talked about where like can, uh, Wolverine's not being run to absorb a hit. 
So therefore you're, you're going to be getting rid of value. And so like, if you do that, like, do you play hella on turn five? Like, do you actually just play out a hella early and then focus on your Magneto or whatever you think you need it, but then you're susceptible to Shang-Chi, but they can't Shang-Chi everywhere. Yeah. The way I look at it is we could end up seeing something like kind of weird, right? And it go in with like a potential X-23, Sandman, hella good ramp carts. And then it's like, okay. At that point, you get Sandman out as soon as possible. You have Hella to then bring back a lot of the cards that you just got rid of, and then you're going to really take over with the Sandman, you know, limitations that your opponent has, and then you just pigeonhole them. I actually think Sandman is a really cool card with Corvus because there's no downside. If you get rid of Sandman, then you have the other, then fine, right? You just go with the pure Doom route with the Odin or whatever. There's only two cards getting, you know, gone here, but I think that's a very interesting option to go with the Sandman route, and then, yeah, you play a Hella, to get back some of the stuff that you lost. And then ultimately the other cards could just be one of the ramp card. Let's call it electro probably would be the one that makes this list X 23 and Proxima. Yeah. And probably Jeff as well, because Jeff's a really mobile two cost that you can play on two, but you're right. Like you, you're probably not playing anything on turn one, maybe Jeff on turn two, turn three, you're holding these cards. You, you probably have a fairly stacked hand. So losing two, isn't that bad, but Hmm. It's but, crazy because you know you know Hella's going to be gone half the time. It's going to be like boom, see ya, right? Hella, <laughs> which is fine, right? Because you're like, oh, well, there's my backup plan, but I have Odin and Doom now, right? Or like you know, it's like again, it's only two that can go. There will be times, don't get me wrong, where like Odin and Hella go, and you're like, oh shoot, like that, you know, that that's that, that totally agree there. You know, the other ramp decks that we have right now are all based around the the, the, the Galactus builds, right? Where you have these Nimrod Destroyer builds. And that's another build where I think it's very interesting because you don't, you know, you've got Hobgoblins in there. You, you have Wolverine in there for the Galactus. So there's actually some synergy there. Maybe X-23 would fit in this build. And then all of a sudden you have Wolverine, Nimrod, Destroyer, and you can kind of work those into, you know, the fold and the mix. And I think that's also something really interesting that he could work into. And then lastly, do like we just talked about, you know, let's say Hela in that list or even more so like Sandman. I think there's just these standalone cards that, hey, I put a target on me, like, I get it, I hate these cards, but let's not forget, man, Sandman, Leech, even Professor X still are just super strong to get on on turn four. Like, really solid positioning cards where, like, you can get rid of your Odin, but if you've got your Leech out on four and you have two more, you know, turns to do, you know, whatever with, it's deadly. It's mean. You don't need a combo for these cards, and so that's where I see some pretty strong potential Maybe we even bring back the old days when I was playing like Howard the Duck with Ramp and you could see what's kind of ahead. So you have a bit more like of a, a dependency there. I, I think Ramp has the chance to, to have a lot of sexy, cool play lines with Taskmaster, Arnhem, Blob, Doom, Odin. You name it, you keep going. Onslaught, Iron Man, where it just it won't matter if we get rid of two cards. Technically, if you get rid of Leech on turn three and you Hella on turn five, Leech comes down, drops, and then applies the effect <laughs> to, uh, going into turn six, right? So it's actually not that bad now that you say it, but it's, I mean, people are going to be tilted. No one likes a Leech player, but yeah. you are right. Technically, if you hit Leech with Proxima, you got the extra energy, allows you to play Hella a turn early, brings the Leech down, impacts them on turn six. What cards win you games by themselves? That's just the way I look at it, right? Leech is one of them, Blob's one of them, and I think we can build those into a Corvus ramp list. And then I think for discard fans, it'll be more next week. We'll see a taste. We'll see a taste this week. I would be careful to take any. It's going to be tough to give this guy an evaluation this week without Proxima because she truly does add so much free power. But we'll start kind of to see the Legos build in the set here this week. And then we can make an appropriate 
decision. But if you are going to go for one, get the other one. I think that's Alex, both of our advice, even, you know, period, they're going to be discard cards in that nature, right? No question about it. So we'll have to see. Corvus, definitely one of the most question mark cards this really month by, by a far margin. And I'm excited to see him play out and what that looks like. Let's go to move on, man. Let's go to the next subject. And this is one near and dear to my heart. We've talked about buff cards before, but we both wanted to have this conversation. We've seen Dazzler be buffed now like five times. Dazzler, you know, the, the world famous Dazzler. But we have cards in Snap that I truly think at this point in time, say what you will, guys, we need iconic characters to be great. There, there are characters in Snap that when someone downloads, they expect it to be a good card and we want it to be a good card. Spider-Man was a great example. They did a good job there. We're going to talk about cards that we would love to see. We just had the OTA not happen because of this other imbalance patch. So we're only going to have, I think, one more OTA in the month. Let's talk about the cards. That OTA and hell, let's bring it into March. What cards like deserve to be great in Snap, Alex? And no question, I think the way we kicked the combo off, we've talked about some of the same guys before, but I, it, it all came back when I was doing a discard Ravona list and it comes back to not Corvus. We just talked about him. Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock is the one I want to kick off the list, buddy. Talk about a man who's been just crapped on by the MCU, by the Snap team now. What can we do? What do we do with something like this? Does he not deserve to be great? Adam Warlock does deserve to be great. Legitimately one of the strongest heroes in Marvel's universe, and he's absolute poo-poo in Marvel Snap. I, actually, he's been around in a couple different properties. He was in the Guardians of the Galaxy game. I don't know if you had a chance to play it. I actually loved it. He was a core component of that, which was really cool to see. His lore is fantastic, and if you look carefully at this, this Flaviano Ultimate variant, which of course Cozy has, he's holding the gauntlet. He's holding the gauntlet and only absolute chads can hold the gauntlet. And listen, I've tried Adam Warlock in like bass lists. I, I've tried. He's he's so awful. He's it's, always the worst he's card. Unplayable. He's always the worst card. Heck, I would say after this love event too, because Captain America got more play. He's like never really been playable ever. Like no. there's never been. We're going on a year and a half. There's never been a time to play him. And it's crazy. It's Adam Warlock and his mechanic is really cool too. Like, I get it. They need to be careful. We surely have stronger mechanics out there now. I Like, it, it's not, you know, launch day a snap anymore. This has got to be one of the biggest crimes, though. No question. It is one of the biggest crimes. I wonder, like, okay, you have a couple dials to turn here. Making them a 2-1 would be interesting because you could play, you try to guess the location, get that free draw the first time. Or if you make them a 1-0, that mm -hmm. could be interesting too, because on turn four, you can play them with, like, Gladiator or something to try to, like, win a location with power or... That that could be interesting too. I just I just wonder. I wonder, like I understand how they want to restrict the card draw. I understand the card draw mechanics. They don't want you to have your pop off every single game. That's why you gotta play something like a crystal if you want to have more consistent draws. But at the same time, this card has felt absolutely awful for some one of the most powerful heroes in the game. The the power fantasy doesn't work with this card at all. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Or even even making him like they could even experiment making him a high cost card with power to boot, and then it just like yeah, I get it. That's strong, but you're not playing something else instead of that at that point, right? And then it's like you're just kind of going for this, the the draw combo, and then you have to kind of maybe rely on magic. Like you could go that route too. There's a lot of dials. We talk about that. Are there dials to turn on some cards? This is one where we do. We have those dials. They're available. Alex, other iconic characters, and, and guys, this is one we want to hear from you guys, both in the comment section. Also, I don't think we've ever asked for this, but if you guys are listening and you enjoy the Snapchat, it helps us both a lot if you do leave a review on Spotify and on Apple Music and, and Google and all the great uh, podcast places. What's an iconic character, buddy, that deserves to be great? Star-Lord. 
How can it not be Star-Lord? I mean, this card is one of the most unplayable cards in Snap right now. People give it the defense of, oh, it's a beginner card. It's No, man, Star-Lord's got to be playable. Okay, it's got to be playable. Look at it. He looks exactly like Cozy. Plus one power couple arrow. By the way, best tweet of the century. I just got to <laughs> tell you right now. Dude, okay. First, I'm glad you brought up Star-Lord because we had a sizzle, a small sizzle of him having synergy, right? Like of like being a reason to play in this week. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm a little biased because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the cozy card. More so though, why? Like, man, why don't we just have the Guardians of the Galaxy? You know what I loved from this love event, which we'll get to it, but I loved that there was like this synergy of like light common cards, right? Even if they weren't all great. Give us the Guardians of the Galaxy to have synergy. Play all five of them, get plus three around the board, whatever it might be, like give that synergy there. I think not just Star-Lord, Star-Lord leading the pack because surely he's the infamous one alongside probably Groot as far as like fan favorites, but also like an iconic group, bro. That's just Bullocks in this game. Not good. They're not great. And I definitely, definitely want to see some love there. I had not thought that perhaps this we're like mending these two topics together a bit, but I had not thought that like the power couple event was actually per perhaps a test to this like tribe attempt to like get like these stats across the board, like kind of like how you have Murlocs yep. in Hearthstone, right? That this is actually kind of a preamble to that, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not hard to keep track of. Like the first couple of days, I was like, I lost a couple like She Hulk Daredevils or whatever. But like you know, if I see Star Lord played, I'm like, oh, he's probably going for the combo, right? Like. That we can build that into our, you know, I get they don't want to throw too much at us, but like, you don't have to do this with everything. You don't. But like the Avengers, right? They're lackluster by themselves, but together it'd be really cool. And that's kind of the theme of the Avengers, right? And same with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And so much so, I actually wanted to bring this up because I just mentioned Avengers, so I might as well. I want to talk about Nick Fury, right? We, we, we just last week talked about Valentina, and she's going to be doing this really cool thing with six cost cards. Great. Well, that's going to hurt Nick Fury a ton, I think. I think Nick Fury is yeah. now like, what am I doing? I think Nick Fury deserves a flavor boost. I think do something like Valentina with the Avengers and their minus two, minus three costs, right? Like you can get them for cheap, but like Thor isn't the best to get early, but you could get Iron Man. Black Widow's pretty cool if she was one cost. Maybe, you know, Captain America at a one cost is great too. Like I would love to see Nick Fury call the Avengers or any Avenger set card with negative two costs or net... That, I think he deserves to be great and different, and we've seen it now. He just doesn't work how he is. No, I mean, and this is this is post-buff Nick Fury. Nick Fury used to be a 5'8", drops to a 4'5", right? And, uh, I mean, he had his moments. Like, when we were really testing him, but, like, new cards came out. I don't want to say there's been power creep, but, like, there's been additional combos that you can play, and... He just doesn't, he doesn't stand up. He just does not stand up to the latest rounds of Marvel Snap. If you're looking to win games, there's better ways to win games than play Nick Fury. It's that yeah. simple, right? Yeah. And I love the idea of having these types of like around the board buffs, like Maria Hill, Nick Fury. How is that not like a combination yeah, of some sort, yeah. right? Maria Hill, like they, they ain't a power couple, but I mean, that is legitimately a really cool line, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, you have Mockingbird coming out. So when Mockingbird comes out, every card you play that wasn't in your deck, she's cheaper. She's a five, nine. That's another thing. It's like make Nick Fury cheaper. Cause right now you would not really have that. That combo would not be able to play out with Nick Fury. But if you have cheap Avengers, then you're kind of like getting things rolling there. And then you have this shield synergy and that that's, we love new archetypes. And then we could actually have like this shield archetype kind of into the game same vein another card i had four costs kind of in the lines of nick fury i know you're very passionate about what do we do about captain marvel what do we do here about her i don't know this is like okay i get asked this all the time while i'm streaming so people are like alex what's your favorite card in marvel snap 
I'm like, it's Captain Marvel. Like, it, it really is Jeff. Like, Jeff's like my actual favorite card that I play the most. But in terms of card text, flavor, and watching it do its thing, Captain Marvel's my favorite, right? And I think the card is an amazingly well-designed card. It's just, it just can't be 4-4. Like, we had the moment where it was actually playable, and then it gets nerfed right to 4-4. Like, clearly it was too much. It was too much of a heavy-handed nerf. It's just such a shame to have a card as good as this doing what it's doing. And also, if we're going to buff it, can we please fix it so it doesn't just do, like, higher, further, faster, and drive, and just fly back to its original spot? It should do, like, the gladiator thing where she says, like, it doesn't move or yeah. something. That's yeah, a whole yeah. other conversation. But yeah, Captain Marvel absolutely shatters my heart that this card isn't better. And even, like, if she can, if she can move to win the game, she gets plus one to help that lane or something. Like, I get that, like, 4-4 four, four base stats, but if she can move, it, 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 like, and it's, like, plus one to, to get that, like, you could, there's a way you could balance that out a bit more. When she came out, everybody was only playing her. I get it when she was like the four or five line or whatever. But at the same time, like we've entered, a, it's been six months, eight, seven months. Like we, we have, we're in a new snap meta. Let, let, maybe we kick the tires on that again. Definitely want to talk that. We don't want to be a broken record. I know the listeners are going to want us to break down Captain America, Colossus. We've talked about these two cards to a great degree. Both of those, I, we, can just, we could just say it's a crime. It's a crime. They deserve to be good. For those that don't say Captain America should be good, Guys, I mean, come on now. I would say borderline, if you know people that don't even play or know Marvel, Captain America would still be in their list of five heroes. Super iconic. He's just iconic for synergy. Is I think what gets me, like, sad about him, right? Like, Captain America is the guy that brings people together. And in Snap, he's a right? He's not America's a He's just a Yeah, that's right. He is not America's a in fact. He is just bad. And it's, like, it's unfortunate because, like, I mean... So iconic, like literally one of the top selling Halloween costumes in Canada is Captain America. Just, <laughs> let that sink in for a sec, okay? And so like, yeah, extremely iconic and he just doesn't do it. He just doesn't do it. But you know what? We had a taste of it with the power couple. And like as yeah. a 3-5, he's, he's amazing. I yeah. was like, hell yeah, this is great. It's funny what some additional power can do to a Marvel Snap card, right? Yeah. And so like, I think Captain America needs something. We've joked around in the past about maybe he, he throws a shield and debuffs enemies, bounced around, or like he does something across the board more because he's, he's the leader. Yeah. Like you, you, you say, you talk about the Avengers and people talk about, oh, you know, Tony Stark, this and that, Nick Fury, like the heart, the actual heart and soul is Captain America. Right when I hear Avengers Assemble, I don't want to see a plus one. <laughs> you know, like I want to see some, and that's where it's like maybe of old I used to not want these kind of like synergistic archetype plays. But like the more you think about it, it's like, man, how cool would it be if you could pull off the card draw to get the core line Avengers and then Captain America does a bigger buff to everyone? Like I really think at the very least they test this out in these imbalance patches. We just see how that works. What if he's a five cost that adds a avenger to each location that'd be so cool I, these random avenger things i like because there's enough not bad ones but there's enough that aren't like soul impacting right that like if nick fury gave you them at negative two costs or captain america like summoned them it wouldn't be like mantis comes out you're not gonna be like oh you know like it would be so cool if they went with the big pool of avengers right and, and then there's like so many different things that could happen from it i like the idea Listen, to, to kind of wrap up some of the cards that I want, another uh, another one I had on my list that I, I kind of want to pick your, your thoughts about. I just watched X-Men First Class. Really good movie. I also watched X-Men's Days of Future Past. Both those great if you guys haven't seen them. Those are the two worth watching, I think, that have come out recently. Have you seen either of those? I haven't seen them yet. Oh, dude. Okay, go watch. Uh, start with X-Men First Class, bud, and tell me what you think. It's fantastic. It's like the origin okay. of, of, of Magneto 
Micro X all them. I bring it up once a week. I've been doing the animated series, which also I can't believe cards that deserve to be great. You didn't bring up Jean Grey. I just watched the Dark Phoenix I have uh, stuff on X-Men. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, please yeah. bring up Jean Grey at some point. Yeah, Come on. yeah, yeah. I mean, guys, without question, I think in this first class, right, they have some of the OG X-Men in there. Also, there's a trailer for the new animated X-Men. We derail, but really good. Go check that out. They, I think they paid it uh, the service very well done. However, Quicksilver, man. I'm watching Quicksilver in these movies, and you're going to see, like, you're like, this is one of the greatest animations of, like, super speed that I've ever seen. I, I get the effect. I understand the core effect. I almost just wish it was on another card. I, I, like, Quicksilver's so iconic within Marvel that I would love to see him do something different than whatever this is and and we're derailing or we're going back a little bit the only use i can think of quicksilver and, and i don't know how i missed this on the corvus glaive talk i did tease agatha and, and i do think that agatha with quicksilver and domino to have these like early play lines with corvus as the option with like apoc and, and you have these other big cards to play agatha goes out on five you play a big card on six i honestly think it has a flying shot but that's really the only place to play quicksilver yeah, that's that's hopium. That's <laughs> definitely that's huffing hopium hard. I don't know, man. I don't think Quicksilver is ever going to be changed. I think I think the second dinner is so just digging their heels in on Quicksilver. They're like, no, this is a card that allows us to not have to have anyone complain about turn order or drawing or mulligans. This is like the never ask us about mulligans again card. And that's yeah. enough for them, I think. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I think I just wish it wasn't on Quicksilver himself, right? Like I just enjoy the guy as a card. So I had him on my list, and, and on that note, first class, you've talked about her a ton, but White Queen is on the first class movie, and she's like... I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, you Seriously, I always wondered where she was from. Yo, dude, watch that movie. It's your She's pretty much this variant. I mean, like, you, you watch it, and you're like, whoa. First, she's a babe, but second, she's insane. Like, she seems very strong, and she kind of showcases some of her abilities that I don't even think people know that she has. And I'm watching that, and I'm like... Dude, in Snap, she just gives you a copy of a card that, you know, you probably won't even play. Like, it's crazy what White Queen is in comics and in Marvel. And in this game, she's fallen off pretty heavily. So I yeah. definitely want to see her be great. I feel like this is one of the most power crap cards in the game, thanks to Loki. I mean, why play White Queen when you can just play Loki, Loki type thing, right? Yeah. But one thing I will say as well, you might have to take this, this variant off the screen before you get demonetized, but this is out of control. I know. But uh, yeah, White Queen is one of my favorite cards in Snap. I like its design. I think you just add more power to White Queen, and she's probably better. Call it a day. I think she can go up to four, like seven. I, four, seven, four, eight. Is anyone really complaining? Especially with Loki being what it is? I don't know. Four, eight yep. might be a little high. But yep. anyways. I agree. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up, man. Those are the cards we want to be see great. Let's wrap it up with our thoughts on the power of love event, the imbalance balance patch. Overall review, overall thoughts. Hit me. I like it. I like that they took a chance, did something a little different. We didn't get an OTA, but we got something and it changed the game. It made the meta a little different and it impacted meta decks and stuff like that. Some of the you know, usual suspects were still just the best decks, but I liked the idea that this gave a lot of people a chance to experiment with some different types of cards. And, and also with a lot of these cards are beginner friendly cards. That's yeah. something I think a lot of people didn't realize. These cards are pretty accessible across the catalog for almost all players. So it actually even the odds for some players like, well, I'm just going to play my meta Loki deck, or I'm just going to play my meta Thanos deck. And some pool two and three gamers like, Hey, actually my agent 13 and cap is pretty good right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I can play Scarlet Division. I have these cards, right? So I think it was cool. For a first run of the event, I thought they did a good job. I think there's things I definitely would change moving forward. A couple of things, some tweaks. Don't get me wrong. I love, love this kind of stuff. This creativity, super fun. Also thematic. Feels like 
you know, like we just mentioned, you know, you play a little bit of Captain America, you get the agent out there, you're like, hey, cool, like, you know, get some synergy. Obviously, they left out some combos. Jane, Thor, they don't need the, the extra combos. They had to leave out, I get they had to leave out some, kind of left out some obvious ones, like Jean Grey, Cyclops, Wolverine. I was like, come on now, we got to see some of that in here. I think there was some, like, iconic love couples, but I guess, where do you, where do you draw the line? For me, though, what I would like to see if we get more of these moving forward, I don't love that they're in place of OTAs. I think it's okay if they do the, uh, the they plan it on an off week or something like that. I we don't want to ruin our our flow that we've been go having going so well for a while now. We've we've proven that if we don't have an OTA, it can get stale. So I don't want that to happen. Also, and I might be in the minority here. If they're only this strong buffs, like they're not like world shattering, right? I kind of want two weeks, not one week. I think one week is just too short. For us to make content on, for decks really to be discovered, for whatever it might be, that by the time it passes, it's okay, right? You know, and it's not as bad as a hot location, as long as it's cards like these. I think I would love that. You bring up a great point because, like, the interactions I had with the community about the event was like people just kind of—I don't want to say didn't care, but like it was—it's fleeting enough that people are like, "No, nah, I don't care about like what decks I can use with them. Like, I'm just gonna yeah. play my usual stuff. I splash them in if I want. Like, they're gonna be gone. If it was an OTA, people are like, oh, these are permanent changes. I want to see what's Holy up. But like, yeah. how is Cap getting plus two? Not like exciting, but like people just didn't respond because I guess it's fleeting enough that they're like, I'll just be gone. Who cares, right? And it's kind of bad on two parts because if it's not there too long, then it's like you're building it. To, you know, you, we have to build this into our memory, right? Like She-Hulk has Daredevil, and you have to start building it. But when it's just like seven days, it's like so quick and it's gone. But if it's two weeks, you have more time to kind of like, you know, digest these things. And I feel like that's what I would like to see moving forward. They got to keep it on not OP cards because then if it's like an OP combo, we don't want that out for two weeks. Like there's a balance here, obviously. Let's talk about though things in the future, other events that we might see. I think there's a lot of room here that we could like, bro, movie releases. This is perfect. Deadpool's coming out in July. Dude, hit us with a small, small Deadpool, like, you know, new synergy, right? Wolverine and him play together. It would be super cool if they get a little something going on. It's a, it's a movie with multiverse. So we are bound to see a lot of different characters in there. So like movie release, I think this is perfect for a two week bender. You know, you could even do like iconic things like villains and heroes. You can do X-Men Avenger. You know what I mean? I think this would be cool to see in the future. Kind of. I love how Cozy's trying to like bait the comment section by asking for a Deadpool buff. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Cozy's right. like, hey, can we, can we buff Deadpool, please? Like, that would small, be a great idea. Small, Ain't small, no way small. everyone's going to be mad about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Plus one. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I do like that idea too. And I mean, even like, like, like major comic releases too. Like why yeah. not, like why not kind of feature that in the store or something like that? Have a buff to a card. I think that's a cool idea. Holidays, man. You go Easter, you get just a bunch of animals, like animal, animal cards are buffed up, you know, fun stuff like that. Halloween, you could get like the scary ones, you know? I just came up with a crazy idea. It's so stupid though. I Maybe. hope they do it though. Okay. You're allowed to steal the second dinner. You got my full permission. A special card releases by surprise on Easter, the Easter bunny card. And it is like, I don't know. It's just like, it's drawn by a kid. It's the Easter bunny card. It's like a, Two, three that does something stupid that just puts changes your entire hand into eggs, chocolate eggs. And then as you play them, I don't know, blob gets bigger. Listen, I'm not an expert, but I think second dinner, they're going to be like, hey, we're going to take that idea. We're going to put it right up here, Alex. We're going to put it right here for safekeeping. If we, you know, year seven, year seven to snap, we need something. They're going to pull that on you. They're going to, I like it. Release all of Looking them, though. Santa Claus, Easter, you might as well get the whole bunch out, right? Uncle Sam, screw it. Whatever, like just get them all. I don't even think, do you know who Uncle Sam is? 
I don't want because he's the one with the, the poster. We need you or okay. Uncle yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, there you go. Thing. Captain America yeah, yeah, yeah. selling and uh, Uncle Sam from the kid. I love it. Cozy. Call Obsidian came out this week. And I got to tell you, I was really excited for Call Obsidian. Maybe because we've had so much text creep over the last little while. Yeah. Marvel Snap for each card seems to be getting progressively more complicated. I didn't mind having a big chonky dude that really was just simplistic and just playable. I need to know what were your thoughts on Call Obsidian this week? Yeah, I loved him for the game, hated him for content, right? I was like, title, Call Obsidian is a 10 power card. Like, <laughs> like there wasn't <laughs> a lot to say on him. But I like that. I think we've had so many complicated, crazy things come out that sometimes just like a good stat stick is cool. Closest thing that we've had to like a vanilla card come out in quite some time and really just open up the wide variety of flexibility that can work with the guy altogether. You know, I think when we both were rating him, we liked him. And then when you look at him more, it's like he's just 410. That's what the guy does. So, Alex, tell me in general, man, what'd you think of Cole? What were your, you know, what were your thoughts? Did they holds up to what we previously ranked him. Oh, yeah, they did. I loved them. I loved Call Obsidian. I mean, I thought he was so playable. I thought that he was relatively easy to have his condition met. And the meta agrees, running a 54% win rate, a 0.23 cube rate, and 15% of the meta... People were high on Call Obsidian. People wanted Call Obsidian. And I think this is a good message for Second Dinner, by the way. Grandmaster, super complicated card. I was excited for it. I liked it. Not much meta share. People were like, I don't want that's too confusing, right? Yeah. And then you get something like Call Obsidian, straight stats, big chonky boy, and people want to play him. Yeah. And he works perfectly in a number of different shells. I, I really liked this card a lot. For sure. I mean, I did see, I think Thanos fatigue is becoming real. I did see more Thanos. Yeah that I ever have, ever, and I get it because it's just like the safest way to play this new car, things like that, right? I was shocked. I was shocked how most of the time I could play Cole if I wanted to, like most of the time. And like, gosh, man, they can only show so many things. They can only show so many things, a lot of deck lists that, I, you know, I feel like Cole came out around the perfect time. Like if he came out last year, there wasn't enough, like there's great synergistic decks that kind of want to pull him into it. He adds that flavor. Boring card, but definitely worked out, man. I was definitely satisfied with how Cole ended up, you know, in, in my meta play. At 10 power, he's a lane winner. He's a little lane winner. And yeah, if you bait out Shang-Chi, then that's fine. But the other thing that I was doing is I was playing him in Zabu based decks too. I was able to play Shang-Chi and Call Obsidian. Yeah. And the crazy thing about that is I was attacking two lanes with significant flips of power. And the card that like, honestly, we talked about it last week on the Snapchat. And I feel like we were the only ones that brought up this card. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler mm. was a god tier inclusion with Call Obsidian because when you moved Nightcrawler, the play of Call Obsidian considered the move prior. So when you move Nightcrawler on the same turn, you can then play Call Obsidian into Nightcrawler's new location before it actually resolves, which is incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And so I was playing decks where I'd move Nightcrawler, Shanchi one location, move Nightcrawler into the location that I want to play Call Obsidian and play it down with Zabo on the board. And it was so much versatile power. I loved it. And I felt like oh, you just needed Nightcrawler and you could attack whatever you wanted, however you wanted with massive power. Yeah, so it's, okay, it's funny. Back, I want to say like six months ago, maybe more, it's probably even longer. I did this like new style of zoo deck, right? And it was right when Jean Grey came out and you had like the, you had the Echo in there. And then like the whole premise of the deck was before Pro X got nerfed, but you had Nightcrawler, Jeff, it worked with Elsa because they were buffed up. And you could essentially like move Nightcrawler or Jeff, then you cap out the lane with X. And I try to bring something like that back, but I like what you're saying there because same premise. You, you have Nightcrawler, he's a safe play, then you can move him, slam on the coal. And I tried to build that in. I called it the big power club. I tried to build that in again 
with Cole Obsidian. I had the Professor X still in there, believe it or not, but you had things like Martyr in there, which is crazy to think about, but Martyr being a 1-5, you could play Cole on there. Professor X always felt really cool to play. You can lock in the Martyr, you can kill, you can do just Cole's lane. Listen, armor is great. It has that in the deck, but Professor X, nothing's killing that, right? Nothing's killing those cards in there. And so it had this really unique and cool synergy. I had Zero as the other card, and you could even go crazy and go Titania. I felt like you needed about three one cost to feel reliable about Cole a lot of the time, but you know, you could get away with it with two. But I love the flexibility that Nightcrawler brought in that deck too, because you could, you can move it around X location, pad up that X location and then go from there. So definitely a, a fun synergy there. Just like you mentioned there, like I liked playing him behind Storm because yeah. you can't Shang-Chi into a flooded location, yeah. right? And that's kind of what Jessica Jones was doing. Jessica Jones playing it behind yep. there. She wasn't shang anyways, but the idea was like you had this big vertical pop behind the, the storm, which is kind of tough to kind of attack, not gappable via Doctor Doom. So I, I liked doing that as well, but I honestly really preferred to hold him for later in the game. And in the circumstances where I played him down and he got shang I feel like I'm like, well, you just wasted your shang Here comes my blob, or here comes my Thanos, or whatever, right? And it's also worth noting here, Cozy kind of mentioned it before, but currently one of the absolute top performing shells and I'll show it on the screen here is going to be a Thanos Lockjaw based deck. It's uh, Jeff Lockjaw Kyera, Black Swan making this list, Shang-Chi, Supergiant, Cull Obsidian, Vision, Blob, Thanos, Scar, and Magneto running a 57.6% win rate as of recording at a 0.35 cube rate pretty solid and the reason why i bring up this deck cozy is because it has pretty much every card that's been released over the last month it had kyera it had black swan it had Cole obsidian had super giant so all of these cards are finding their way into thanos deck after thanos deck after thanos deck so i like that you bring up the thanos fatigue hey man black order thanos right like that's what they were probably going for there funny enough that list i had in my Cole obsidian video i replaced super giant i it was a flavor pick but i did devil dinosaur it's like that just why would I not want Devil into that deck? Just worked well. You had the Scar discounted early, all that. But yeah, definitely very strong list. And I know we got this a little bit with Supergiant. Dude, I was just having so much fun slamming down Cole, slamming down Atuma, slamming down Zero Century, slamming down Warpath. Like 10 after 10 after 10. And there was just so much. And then I had X in there because, you know, you could just feel so much safer about that. The armor play always felt good to go on to... You know, you don't get to do Kyera because they're, they're all these four costs. But being able to play any of these 10 power cards or Shang-Chi with Zabu, it, it becomes possible to win, you know, with these decks, man. And, and Crossbones is just, he's, he's dead. Oh, Crossbones is unbelievably dead. And uh, you know what? The other thing that's worth mentioning here is you're bringing up 10 power after 10 power after 10 power. power. A huge winner is Scar. Scar is yeah. a remarkably oh. massive winner with this release, right? Like, and Scar was good enough. Like, Scar did make lists... Last season card, like we weren't that excited about him, right? We we liked him. He was good. He did his thing. He ended up in Thanos, as everything does, apparently. Yeah. But now with this additional 410 power card, Scar becomes much easier to play because now you have a Cole Obsidian, which is easy to play, and Scar becomes easier to play as a result. And so I really like what's uh, happening with Scar, kind of these buffs by association, which we talk about all the time, where some cards seem to age like wine, right? Scar is a good example of this. So yeah, man, I mean, ultimately we saw, we saw Scar get love on that front, way easier to play him. Even Zulis to some, you know, to some fronts there. I saw that. Obviously Thanos is going to be the clear winner. And then moving forward, he's just going to work as a threat and snap, especially for decks that already want to play a lot of these one cost cards. So I, I welcome the addition to Cole Obsidian and I think he's, he's cool to have in the game. We'd like to see more 
basic cards, you know, thrown in every now and then. Yeah, I like them a lot. And Cozy, I gotta ask, star rating, what are you giving them? Ooh, probably a four. Probably a four. I don't want to give them more than that just because it feels like, you know, there is limitations to them. Maybe 4.5. I mean, like, who are we kidding? Whatever. But I think four, ultimately, yeah. Yeah, I, I have four written down. I think he's an absolutely perfect four-star card. Yeah. Like, he, he's not going to break the game by any means, but he is very strong to play. You want him in the decks where he works well in. And he he has this very wide application base, right? Supergiant was much more narrow. S- still very powerful, but much more narrow. Whereas Call Obsidian, I mean, you could even play him in Zoo decks. You can yeah. play him in all these different types of decks. And I really like the card. Four-star, very, very strong card. Happy with this release. And that brings us to... Cards on the rise, Cozy. With the release of Colopsin, we've joked about Scar getting buffed up, but there's a whole bunch of cards that are seeing a resurgence in Marvel Snap. The meta is shifting, and now we're going to be going through the meta risers in order from cost. So starting at one cost, Cozy, I'll give you the floor. What is one of your one cost risers in the current meta? Hey, buddy, for the one cost slot, you know, I feel like one cost are at a good area right now that we do have a lot of them out there. I didn't want to pick like Agent 13 because of the couples event or whatever. Iceman. I feel like Iceman's finally getting his value back, you know, again, Spider-Ham definitely is, can be a much more competitive options at times, but it just, it's been feeling great to just disrupt your opponent, man. There's a lot of combo heavy decks out there. There's a lot of things that you can just mess up massively, right? You hit that Zabu, you hit something that they just have to play on curve, and that could be a game winner, even though you don't see it happen. So Iceman has been my kind of on the rise one cost again. All I know is that when people play Iceman against me, it pisses me right off. Like, I'm like, how dare you hit my Sarah? Or how dare you hit my Legion? Or it always hits something that I actually need. How dare you hit my Leech? And then I'm like, wait a minute, I deserve it. And then ultimately, like, Iceman with the, I think Black Swan brought Iceman back. Black Swan, the Bounce, the, the Falcons, and all the types of things. They're bringing that idea of repetitively playing Iceman. Because playing Iceman two or three times feels better than playing Spider-Ham two or three times. Because you're often hitting the same piggy right? Piggy, piggy, piggy. But Iceman can't even hit a six cost. So you know every single time Iceman comes down, someone's getting pumped. So that's why I really like this card. It's a great call out, Cozy. I get mad if he even hits a card from like the hub that I got. I'm like, screw you, man. I liked that Gambit or whatever it was from there. Uh, But also, if you just think about it, man, one energy commitment, two power on the board, plus just that disruption. It really snowballs for sure. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that it kind of fell off completely, even from like like tempo style decks yeah. and stuff like that. Like he's still just a good one drop, right? But yeah, we, yeah. hey, snaps from getting greedier and greedier. So I'm not surprised. But we're gonna move on to the next card for me, and it's Quinjet. We got to talk about Quinjet, and it might be a surprise to some, but Quinjet has had a resurgence thanks to, to, to some degree, Helicarrier actually being more legitimate than people might give it credit for. Helicarrier's buff, Helicarrier's change. Basically, it's Triskillian, and Quinjet loves that, gives you a lot of additional value. And I don't want to, like, you know, kind of give away one of our four costs potentially, but Loki is making a massive comeback. And what's interesting about Loki is traditional Loki actually cut Quinjet because it felt like a win more style card. But now new Loki actually prefers having Quinjet in the list. L- kind of crazy. Let's skip to it for just a sec. Like, why not, right? Let's talk Loki then. Like, I, I do, I feel like uh, I like where Loki's at. I get it. I get he's tough. I mean, we have cards like Shang-Chi that exist in the world. But what I like about it is it's not this list to abuse Loki. It's this list now that has that devil dinosaur and it has like these other play lines that you can go with. Personally, it's what I took up towards the end of my infinite run because it was fun to play. I enjoyed playing it again. We're destroyers everywhere, man. And I just love, love getting Loki. And you have like maybe four or five cards to replace and you get that Nolan death and you're like, sweet justice. I'm ready to go, right? And so yes, Loki definitely 
definitely on the rise. I think he's going to rise more with some cards coming out in the future. We're having cards that feed into your hand more. We have cards, you know, like Mockingbird and things like that coming out. So Loki definitely is the forecast winner here for sure. And I don't want to derail it completely, but I had this thought, like Loki got nerfed, right? And people were like, Loki is dead. And it just, boom, it fell off a cliff. No one was playing Loki at all. And then like nothing really changed. Like the meta shifts here and there a little bit, right? And then all of a sudden, like people just start playing Loki again. Like, oh, wait, this might actually still be good. And it just kind of like crawls back into the meta, then starts to like gain more momentum and snowballing and this and that. And people are like, wait a minute, Loki's still kind of good. And it almost makes me wonder about like what else has been nerfed in the past. We're just like, no, this is garbage now we just drop it like a rock and it's end up being like and glenn's out there like hey guys it's still good like i don't know what's wrong with you right don't you feel like loki kind of got like completely just slapped or thrown under the rug and just forgotten about thrown under the bus is kind of what i meant to say listeners of the snapchat i love this because you get a little bit of taste of a deck i'm releasing not yet it's not out there the video's not but go start playing it i have that i've already filmed the intro alex that is my intro to my next deck guide it's literally about I don't know what we do about these good cards and good decks that get like one minus power on a synergy and we're like, they're dead. And then it's still a great deck. And I, and I brought up examples. I was like, Statue Black Bolt just started creeping back up again, but we like killed them off and it's still like a competitive option. The one that I have, and it happens to be my three cost card. Guys, I'm telling you, I don't know why we wrote it off. I get Absorbing Man lost himself a point, but Brood Absorbing Man Patriot decks was, uh, is so strong still it's such a good deck still it's not bad at all and we have other options to throw into those decks now it's exactly how i felt with the absorbing man brood combo i'm like yeah we lost a powerpoint but like it's still so strong there's so many combos so many play lines here 100 agree buddy we're going in the weirdest order of all time but like that is my three cost card here so i'll just kick it to you what is your three cost in this slot yeah, we're just going to go back and forth now. I guess Why there's not? no order anymore. It's just complete yeah. chaos at this point. If you're asking me for my favorite three costs right now, can I? is it fair for me to say Gladiator? I mean, Gladiator's in the spotlight cache. I have loved playing this card over and over and over again. That extra one power they gave it was just chef's kiss because not only was it perfect for the power of yep. the card landing, but it also allows him to trade more effectively. Yep. And the other thing is, is decks are getting greedier. And you're seeing these balance decks where they're playing like, you know, Beast, Iceman, Black Swan, and all this stuff. It's like, hey, guess what? Pull something out, boom, pump it, right? That that Spider-Ham ain't pumping anymore. Oh, it just, I mean, it still reveals and everything, but you know what I mean? It's like, no, Spider-Ham, only one time for you. Oh, Iceman, boom, only one time for you. I really like the idea that like a lot of cards don't effectively trade with Gladiator, and Gladiator's had this massive ramp up ever since Chavez got taken out. Surprise, surprise, Chavez got reduced, and Gladiator is just fist bumping yep and i hate to say it, guys guess what spotlight week we got gladiator x23 so destroy and gladiator about to get more and more play even though uh they're good they're going to become even better love the gladiator pull yeah definitely i like when my opponent plays gladiator half the time because i'm just like i feel good about i stare at my deck tracker i'm like which one's being unhighlighted here and then just celebrate from there so like the three cost pick for sure man two costs can be a little tougher i feel like a lot of two costs you know three costs are the most awkward cards at the moment two is in a decent place for two, you know, I picked armor, mainly because I wanted to show off this variant, but also I feel like because of Shang-Chi, right, it's just not enough anymore to, to hope for the Kyrie with the six cost or to the play lines we're trying to do. Armor is, say what you will, I think I love the more it's now kind of adjusted to the game, Kyrie and armor's different roles. I love it. And it's mainly that armor's two cost. I love playing her in two. It just feels like it's like a non-committal, like, hey, I'm going to give myself protection. I have a get you can give it to your opponent a little bit. I've seen way more armors out there because of the rise of heavy forecast power, thanks to Cole. 
And I'm playing her again in a lot of my decks just to feel good about my later plays. You're exactly correct. And I think that the the second dinner needs a pat on the back for the the balance between armor and Kyra and how you decide between the two in the deck. Like, like, okay, listen, a lot of high evil players are just defaulting to Kyra. I don't even think that's always correct. Yeah. I actually think you're seeing better win rates in taking out Kyra, adding armor in, especially when destroy gains in popularity because when destroy gains in popularity, armor becomes an offensive weapon just yeah. as much as it's a defensive weapon, right? Kyra can't do that. Kyra can't ruin a destroy player's game. Armor can ruin a destroy player's game. So I think it's really important when you're deck building and designing based on what you're seeing in your pocket meta that you consider, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't just copy past to this deck off, off the internets. Maybe I should actually consider Kyra out armor in based on my pocket meta. Like it's just, to me, it just, it, that's how you gain cubes. That's how you get the infinite. That's how you rank up. Yeah, dude. Two, two, the armor on a destroy lane is the fastest way to get two cubes. You snap with the knowledge that you're going on that Deadpool lane because oh, most of the time they get greedy, right? They play the X23 and you're like, you know, he's going to play Deadpool and then play whatever, right? Like you have a little bit of room to kind of sneak that in there. 100% agree, man. That's why armor is on my rise list. Who's your two? My two, I have two I want to talk about. The first is Falcon. Falcon, you've seen a big resurgence in, and I like this a lot because Falcon always felt like like ghetto beast. Like it was just like, oh, beast is just always better all the time. Yeah, like yeah, why would you yeah, ever yeah. play Falcon? They nerfed beast, they changed beast, and that gave Falcon a little bit more room to breathe, but it also gave Black Swan a little bit room to breathe. And you're seeing uh, Falcon Black Swan being very synergistic as well. A lot of the major combo pieces were turn five, Black Swan and Falcon style plays. I just like the, to see that Falcon's getting some love. Uh, I've always liked this car, but it always felt like it wasn't quite good enough compared to the other pieces. Like Be original beast was always better than Falcon. Yeah. It's good to see it making a comeback. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it, you could almost throw beasts in here with them just because of the new play lines that have it. And, and it's also just a lot of the one cost cards we have now. Like there are just one cost cards that are great and you want to keep playing them, right? And, and Falcon has that identity to a card that I used to never, when the game first came out, I never played Falcon, man. I Even on my balance list, I'd go beast route or whatever, right? Like Falcon was like, ah, it's too confusing. Like I, I definitely agree. Falcon has really settled into his role in Snap and I love it. Now we bounce from one to four to three to two. We ultimately land on five, Alex. Hit me back to back. Who's your riser on the five? Well, you just skip one of my twos, but we'll come back to that later then. Because oh, on number five, how do I not bring up Sarah? I mean, we just had ourselves Infinity Conquest week and Sarah really, really took hold of that week. And it seems like every single time you have an Infinity Conquest, everyone's like, wait a minute, I'm not laddering with Sarah. But whoa, whoa, when I take Sarah into Conquest, it's absolutely disgustingly good. And then sure enough, you start to realize like, wait a minute, I can't actually ladder with Sarah. Sarah is actually good. Yeah. And she remains a core component. So, so many decks, the tech-centric decks, but also the greedier combo-centric decks, Sarah is absolutely god tier. I mean, listen, I don't know if we're supposed to be like projecting the future, but there's two cards, no question, five costs that will be good pretty soon here. And you got to start with obvious guys next two weeks, baby. Next two weeks. It is discard season. You got the Corvus. You got the Midnight. They're going to be everywhere. Stature is near going to just be value city. And I can't wait for that. I think it's really going to be a card on the rise that you could get ahead of. But if it wasn't going to be, you know, the, the, the projection there, I do think Sandman, I think he's creeping up. I think he is becoming you're looking at the decks that are there that are good man you shut down thanos man you shut down a lot of these cards that you've got the combos to go over the top with and we're going to start to have things with corvus i think sandman's also going to be a riser as well that's a ballsy call because i feel like second dinner intentionally keeps this card under like keeps it bad i feel like they always want sandman to be kind of bad because yep. remember when it got buffed it was a 4-1 then it went to was it 5-5 five, five? 
Yeah. It was five five, right? But it was legit enough power wise that they were like it was getting a lot of points. Like there's like, whoa, our it, game sucks now. It reminds me of Leech that the they're, they're just good cards that don't get played a lot, but when they do, they're good cards. You know what I mean? Like you don't want them to be played a lot, but it does mean they're not good. Leech was the same bucket. People didn't play Leech, but he was still good. Sandman's kind of the same vein as long as you have the deck set up for advance uh, in advance. And there's definitely another five cost that's been creeping back up in the meta, and I absolutely love to see it. And it's Devil Dinosaur, an absolute huge winner of the resurgence of the Loki-style decks, because new Loki is running a lot of hand generation, and Devil Dinosaur is a key component. That, look at this split. Oh, my God, cozy. The Rainbow Kirby Crackle inked. It's too beautiful. I can't even handle myself. Oh, my gosh. Completely derailed. Audio listeners, this is a absolutely god-tier split of Devil Dinosaur. It is an inked mecha dinosaur. His, his, uh, his, what is that? Is that like a throat cannon? I don't even know what it is. Throat it's cannon. reaching into the sky, crackle all over the place. Cozy, this is beautiful. It matches the infinity stones of our topics. Oh my gosh. Can we just rename the card a throat cannon? That, 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 that's a much better cinematic <laughs> name. Like, oh no, guys, the throat cannon's here. Thanos is screwed. Uh, yeah, man, th th this one's, I, I love Devil because like, I go back to just like all the, I have so many good splits of Devil and when he's back on top, I'm like, hey, I get to, I get to play it again. So yeah, definitely good pick there. Devil is rising up again. Thanks a bit to Loki, but also just in himself. Not to bring up Pokemon again, but it, that, that variant kind of reminds me of like, it's like, Devil Dinosaur, use throat cannon. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Dude. Oh, dude, uh, Charizard versus Devil Dino. That's a, that's a, that's a fight of the ages, man. That's a, that could be the next epic rap battle on 2005 YouTube. All right, we got to go to six costs. Cozy, I'll give you the floor. Tell me about the rising six, uh, six costs in Marvel Snap. Yeah, so I feel like six cost cards, like they're all have been in a really good place per se lately. And we've seen things like, you know, I wanted to go with Hella because, you know, we, we've seen way more Hella and it's becoming much more dependable. And I think, I think ultimately that's just where I land, right? I think if we're just talking about cards on the rise, it's Thanos because he's everywhere. But Hella, Hella's gone to being a like meme card to being pretty good. I've seen a couple of people like, I tried her out. She still sucks. It's like, yeah, you, you kind of just, you, you lost the coin flip there. But over time, man, it is so tough to stop Hella. It's just stuff. It, it, there's so many options for her to be played and where to play in the synergy with Black Knight. I had to go Hella. Yeah, Hella was my top choice as well. Hella's incredible. And it's funny because like, so I was thinking, keeping a close eye on the statistics of Hella as a deck. Phenomenal cube rate. What was crazy was running a 55% win rate, which is astronomical for Hella. So it should crazy. never be that high. So and then what happened was, is like, I, you know, I covered it. A bunch of people covered it. Hella being good kind of got out there. And you know what happened to the stats? <laughs> just like right off a cliff, right? And then it's funny because now it's kind of going back up. It's a perfect example. Of this. We see this in Move. We see it in Hella. It's like if you just pick up a Hella deck and you're like, bro, I'm just going to play Hella. And like they snap on you and you're not prepared to like, okay. Wait, I don't have Hell in my hand. Do I do I stay to see if yes. I draw in Hell on turn six, or do I leave? You're just donating cubes, going into like turn six and not snapping when you have Hella, or like the snap variation of Hella is very important in the way like you have to build that experience profile. The stats literally tanked because people that had never traditionally played Hella started playing Hella again and didn't quite figure out how to navigate the actual play of the deck itself. So. It's interesting to see. It's the same thing with any time a junk deck gets on the rise, right? Like I had this one where it was like magic yeah, in there to really make sure you get the pop off, right? But when you see the list, you're like, oh, cool list, bro. I'm going in, you know? And it's like, wait, uh, you don't know the... And, and then they go and they take the... But like, you know, in those plays, you have to be super methodical in like what you're trying to do and how you're trying to push cards on their side. And when you play hazmat and when do you play grandma, whatever it is, right? That It's the same exact example. Hella 
even Mr. Negative to a, to a degree is in that kind of list of people just like, screw it, I'm going, I'm, t- I'm going to top tech them or whatever, you know, and, and that's, you know, where people start to lose the cubes. It's funny because like, I actually saw this the other week with my, my super giants deck, the mm. deck that I had with the super giant and invisible woman and stuff. I, I was playing against it quite often. Cause I, I guess it gained in popularity and stuff. And I, I went to get someone, I'm like, who plays Titania on turn one? Like someone just threw out Titania on turn one. And then I realized like, wait, this is my deck. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're not supposed to do that, man. What are you not supposed to just throw Titania out on the board? What kind of psychotic play is this? You're supposed to play it like at the end of the, the invisible woman stack, right? Like, you're, it's like, what are you doing? Dude, it's I, so funny. Yeah, dude. I, there's so many cards like that. Like squirrel girl is another one when she's in list with like Dazzler. I see people like, okay, turn one squirrel. Let's go. I'm like, dude, no, there could be savage land. Like there's so much stuff that can screw you. And so it, it is, it's, you know what it is? It's those people that go and they click on the video. They go right to that deck list and they're like, okay, cool, cool, GG. I'm a gamer now. It's like, wait, there's a good five minutes of information before that you should listen to, right? I always get that one comment every single video. It's like, I post the video 10 seconds into me posting the video. Flex card for Blake. And I'm like, dude, I spent 20 minutes on flex cards. Like, you know, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look into the end of research. My favorite is when like, I, I release a video and right off the top, I'll be like, Hey, you know, if you don't have Kyra armor is a good solution, right? Like I'm literally six seconds yeah. into the video. <laughs> and then like literally the f- second comments, like replacement for Kyra question mark. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, power Let's creep deck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 100%. And then someone always responds, dude, six sec. And they like timestamp six seconds. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't make it. Yeah. Couldn't make it seven seconds in the video, but, but it does. This is funny. Cause it does matter. These cards that have very specific purposes in the deck, right? You have to play and win. And so definitely that is kind of where Hella and all of them fall into ultimately. And to finish this off, I'm going back to the two cost that Cozy refuses to let me actually bring up. And it's funny. Cause the reason why I'm so committed to this two cost is because I'm only bringing it up because Cozy, you're the one who brought it back. And it's hazmat. Look at that absolutely beautiful split. It's actually, I've never seen this variant in my shop, by the way. I'm oh, still man. looking for it. Unbelievable variant. Cozy, you brought back hazmat in a big way. I mean, Luke Cage. Luke Cage's buff brought hazmat back in a big way, but you were one of the first to really kind of jump on top of it and make some actual spicy brews happen with it. So talk to me about hazmat, even though it's my pick. Yeah, it was funny because I was doing it before Luke Cage because I enjoyed... I. You know, like a bomb. I love abomination, but it's like he's sometimes he's like, okay, you scorpion them out. They just don't play the cards. Hazmat's just like GG. Like you just get everything you need for this last second power slam of an unshunchable card, and that was kind of the, the the flavor. And also because I'm on this ever ending quest of making Grandmaster great, so like loved the debris and hazmat either or option or scorpion followed by Grandmaster. All those felt really great together as well. You could also do it with Super Giant. There's way more plays being out there. And I don't know. I feel like people just kind of don't, they sleep on the card because if you look at it, you always, there's always a good time to play hazmat if you're prepared for it, right? So you have Luke Cage. That's one option. I get it. Okay. But you can also just evaluate the situation. If they have five cards on their side, you have one, you play hazmat. Hazmat's value is no longer a two, two, not even close, right? You're up in that way more because you're on their side. And most of these people aren't running Luke Cage. You're getting that lizard value a good shot. You should always be getting two five value with hazmat most of the time. Like when you're playing her, even if it's on curve for two, four, that's good too. Oh, always. Right. And I often played her on curve and like, I was like absolutely happy with it. And it also gave me the opportunity to play the abomination out early stuff like that. Hazmat's a really cool card, a really cool card. And it's funny because no one's playing Luke Cage defensively. I'm only seeing Luke Cage being played offensively. So when I see Luke Cage, I'm like, they're probably going to hazmat me because no one's playing Luke Cage right now because of the change from a two cost to a three cost. For that record, I do like what Second is doing, making the three cost like cards it, yeah. the board wide effects. It's a good touch. Yeah. It's a very good touch. And Cozy, guess what? 
That brings us to one of our favorite topics of the day, and that's the Snapchat mailbag. We got a mailbag here, and we're starting with question number one. And Cozy, this is a callback to you, and this is from Slice and Dice. I love that Cozy said, "Rip Cerebro," because I've been trying to play my old C2 deck for the last month, and it's an absolute dumpster fire. So many cards and fields giving and taking power, and giving you random cards that mess up your play line. Also, they killed Luke Cage for C2 and C3 decks, which used to be a slight saving grace. What do you think they could do to buff Cerebro decks so they're actually viable? It's tough. Cerebro's tough. I feel like as long as they don't keep coming out with locations that play cards for you, like then you're okay. You need to know if you're a Cerebro gamer, you're just a smarter gamer than everyone else. And what I mean by that is, A, you always have to adapt with new decks and go with like, is it two, three, or five, and sometimes even four Cerebro being really good at the moment and get ahead of those synergies before other people are, like whatever you want to do there. But also, no, it is the life of the Cerebro Gamer a little bit, right? Like, that is going to just be how it works out. Maybe they come out with a location-changing card like they had Rhino. Maybe we need one for, like, a, a missing slot for the 5 or the 2 or whatever it might be. It's tough. It's tough to be a Cerebro Gamer because of that. And not only that, you have Red Skull. You have other things you just have to consistently be worrying about. It only gets worse. Hazmat's in there, too. So it's, it is a tough life for Cerebro Gamers, but that's kind of, like, part of the part of it you you reward yourself of being one of the smarty players out there yeah it, there's so many so much difficult things for cerebral players all the locations and you're right a lot of people talk about like negative zone and so sewer system and stuff like that but what it really is it's like expansion that you're like oh look great thanks thanks for giving me like you know the uh, white queen which now is six power and i'm screwed and you know what i mean like Bro. it completely ruins everything or xandar shuri's lab there's so many examples where you just can't do anything i'm still in good like i'm still in good relations with like tarnix like we're Terex, tarnix whatever it is i'm doing okay there x mansion i've lost hope at this point x mansion i oh dude i feel like i'm never the guy on the other side even like a value like a black bolt or something Every single time, it's like I get like, a, you know, I don't know, a mojo. I guess that's not the worst example. But yeah, me and Expansion, we're not talking anymore. Yeah, I know. I'll get mojo. They'll get infinite like literally 95% of the time. It's Every like time. I'm, I'm trying to pretend like this is not the truth. Most tilting location in Marvel Snap by oh, far. Dude, last I just played a game where I ended up getting at, <laughs> like you can't even make it half this stuff up. I got an orca. I was like, oh, my God, they got a Shang-Chi. I was like, of course, it's got to be balanced. Of course, it has yeah has to balance itself out or they get like a gladiator room. I combo play like every, every time, every time, all the time. It was like the second Snapchat ever. You literally said that X-Mansion should only give uh, X-Men cards. And that's been by far the most significant best change they should ever make to that, that thing. It, already that would just minimize the pool, reduce the amount of chaos and just make it better. So listen to Cozy Snap, damn it. X-Mansion only should be X-Men cards. Question number two for the mailbag comes from Nicosia and it reads, do you think Snap will ever adopt a hero or villain system, such as a shield card that gives negative one cost or maybe plus one power to all heroes on your side, or a Hydra card that does the same for villains? I think this would be a cool mechanic since at the end of the day, it's a, hero, it's a superhero comic book based game. Cozy, the floor is yours. So I totally get it. Totally understand it. The only thing I'm worried about is that mm, Marvel is all over the place with heroes and villains and anti-heroes and anti-villains. Like, Magneto bounces back to help out. That's what I'm worried about. They would need the symbol and they would need to stay that. And then, you know, it's a whole thing there because people do, you know what I mean? People go, I think for the most part, there are obvious heroes and villains, but that would be my worry. I would probably want to see the Avenger synergy and stuff like 
more definable classes earlier than that. But that to be said, I yes to that. I would love to see more group synergy stuff like that, even if it's just small stats. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Like, you know, you play Hydra cards, Viper gets buffed, stuff like that. That would be cool. But you're right. Like, how do you classify Magneto? Right? Because he's kind of like a he's kind of a hero to some people, a villain to others. He's complex. How would you classify Scarlet Witch? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. kind of difficult from both comic books and MCU, actually. Yeah. Scarlet Witch is all over the friggin' place. Hard. Loki to a degree. There's a lot of, there's a lot. Loki's a great example. There's a lot of these characters, though. And that's the issue. I think that's the prime issue. And it's like, what, like Punisher, if you guys have seen that show, it's like, okay, well, you know, he's, he's doing a lot there. But like, I don't know. I feel like that's where I, uh, it could be tough. So maybe go more, def, you know, definable classes or whatever. But I do like the suggestion. This might be a little random, but when, when I was watching Loki season two, I was like, they're taking him on the Vegeta story arc. I'm like, he's, going, he's doing a full Vegeta here. Oh, Vegeta. <laughs> just, yeah, I was watching Loki thinking about Vegeta for some reason. What a, what like, a comparison, dude. I love it. That was actually good. It's a good comparison. Yeah. But anyways, a very cool question. We actually were just talking about the whole idea of tribe synergies and stuff like that. So really a timely question. And it brings us to our next question from Eric Redden. And it reads, a simple one, and I like it. To celebrate the Power Couples event, who is your favorite Marvel couple? It's tough. There's actually a lot of iconic ones in there. Like, I always loved the talk between Gene, Cyclops, and Wolverine. Like, I always loved that kind of, that arc. I do like Vision and Scarlet Witch. I think ultimately, though, just like, how do I not go Gambit Rogue? I gotta go Gambit Rogue, I think. How are you? Yeah, Gambit Rogue's incredible. For me, my favorite Marvel love story is Cozy Snap and Arrow. But that's a whole other conversation. The the fan fiction on that, it kind of it, it falls on either two extremes. It's too soft, a little too hard. It's like, yeah, oh man, we need some lot. we need some proper cozy arrow fan fiction. Working but on to answer the question more seriously, I, I, I was funny, I was gonna say the love triangle of Wolverine, Jean Grey, and Cyclops, to the point where like I'm pretty sure now in some like some clips, like you like Jean Grey will kiss Wolverine like on the cheek. Right in front of Cyclops, he's like, "Yeah, that's what we do here, I guess." <laughs> I can't wait for you to go watch the the live actions. Like, they're not they don't all hold up, but there's some stuff in there. And you're like, oh, "Oh, like there's a lot they can do there, especially with the new, new you know, Marvel's future plans going to X Men. I hope they really bring that to the forefront and, and have some fun there. You're like, I don't always like when you know the the heroes are fighting each other, but they don't do it enough. Like the original Avengers when they had like Thor versus Iron Man, like I loved that. It was so cool to see and like. I would love to see, you know, I think there are some unfair battles. I think ultimately it's like, all right, Wolverine, Cyclops, that'd be something to see, right? We don't want to go to like Superman versus Batman territory where you're like, what's this guy doing against this guy? It's a god versus a man. But yeah, dude, definitely. That's a good pick. Jim Gray, I mean, it's, 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 it's a solid tale. Not necessarily a couple, by the way, but I just want to say like in the MCU, I really liked the interactions between Drax and Mantis. I thought that they were oh, always kind of like fun, like friendship, like really, really cool the way that they interact with, with each other. I always really liked that interaction there. Obviously, Star-Lord Gamora is yeah. God tier, absolutely at the top. I haven't seen uh, Guardians 3 yet. It's on the list. It takes me a long time to get through movies, so it's on the list. But so I know that uh, I'm sure that's going to be a fantastic one as well. And uh, I actually have a source of confusion here. So maybe Cozy, you're a little more well, like versed with the lore. But I was super confused when it was Daredevil and She-Hulk that yeah. got the buff. Well, okay. So Dare, yeah, he's, I, I, I totally agree. I already knew this. I, I saw it in a Daredevil sleeps around. That's the best way to put it. Like him and, and Hercules. I think they went with like lawyer vibes maybe for them too or whatever. I'm sure there's a comic where they smash. But I, like, I know Daredevil. Yeah, She-Hulk smash. That's a funny yeah. line. It's got to be there eventually, right? Oh, 100%, right? Yeah, like, in the comic style, like, they shut the doors, like, smash. But yeah, I think, I think Daredevil sleeps around. Like, Hercules, I know, sleeps around. There's a couple of characters that are, like, notorious for just, like, 
They're just they, they they could be synergized with every card in the game. You know, they they they, they like their women. But Iron Man to an extent was tamed down a bit in the MCU, but he did too. So I think that's kind of where it's at. They should have gone Electra there, I guess, but it would have. Yeah, like literally in the hero. Okay, I watch the hero, the Martin Garrix yeah, song yeah, yeah. all the time because my kids love it. And like it's literally there's a scene with like Kingpin laughing and and like Electra and Daredevil grabbing their weapons and like diving to save like Hell's Kitchen, right? It's like what are we doing, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all over the place. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Oh, I just. I spilled water all over my keyboard, so my computer's probably about to turn off. So this is probably a good time to end the Snapchat, guys. Thank you so much for all your support. Cozy and I truly appreciate every one of you that supports our content. Hey, listen, guys, another great week of the Snapchat. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about next week. Until then, guys, have a good one. Have a great one. Until the next one, happy snapping.